Women Making Waves. You're probably not going to believe this, Susie, mm-hmm. actually. Oh, I, I probably won't, you probably won't actually, no. no. Mm. I know it's not like me, but uh, and you, you might be slightly worried, in fact, to hear this, but <laughs> I've started baking again. I haven't done that for years and years. Well, actually, I always thought you were a baker because you always do, because you're vegetarian anyway. You always like baking things, don't you? Pre-baking oh, well, things you, see, so you can have things in the evening. That's a bit bit of a bit of an assumption there but I know about baking cakes and scones and stuff like that you know oh, that kind of baking right. not cooking oh, okay. I'm talking about baking yeah so why well, why I just got it into my head I don't it. know just mm. came into my head I don't know what did it I, I suddenly fancied something really old-fashioned so I looked up my grannies you know I've got notes from years and years ago and I oh yes I remember yeah. you saying and I found that. some yeah. recipes that my granny had written down a long long time ago coffee buns that sounds great mm, like, well yes you'd think wouldn't you that coffee buns were full of coffee but no what are they full of then there's not not any coffee to be had in the in the flavoring of coffee buns i think they're called coffee buns because you're meant to eat them with coffee oh i see so, so what are they just like scones or no they're kind of like cakes with sultanas or raisins, but I've chosen sultanas. And you can splodge them on just on a tray, you know, and like, well, I put it down, baking paper. But you can just, you just pop them on a tray. But the, the only thing I, I would say is that they all kind of went blah <laughs> and melted into one big. So I had to kind of cut them, cut them up, but they tasted very good. And not only that, but much to my surprise, my husband got right stuck in. And he's not a big homemade thing. I think he's one of these people that I suspect he probably wouldn't drink milk from a cow. It would have to come from a <laughs> bottle or a carton. You know, he's a bit like that when it comes to food. It's not proper unless it comes in packaging. In his head, somewhere or other. And I would deny that, but I've observed him over the years. And I think that that's what goes on in his head subconsciously. Yeah, it wouldn't be right if it's homemade. But he really, he really likes these. It's interesting these. you say that it didn't look right, but it sounded delicious. It's a bit like the story at the moment, isn't it, with supermarkets. They're sort of giving you... The vegetables that have got little knobbly bits on them that don't look good, but actually they taste just mm. as nice. But they're just vegetables, yeah. of course. So they it's do. a bit, yeah. you know, why do we need to make sure that sometimes cakes are presentable if they taste just as nice? And you know, if they have an exactly. extra bit of, I don't know, icing sugar hanging off the side, or if they've got an extra sponge <laughs> at the side. You know, we yeah. need to be a little bit more open-minded, don't we, about the presentation of, of Linda's cakes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mine in particular, because it's never going to be good, let's face it. But yeah, the lot were scoffed. So yesterday I raked up another recipe and I, I did add a bit of my own here. Okay. But I made coconut cupcakes with uh, cream cheese and icing glaze that had coconut in it as well. Okay, okay. So lots of coconut, coconut on coconut. I quite like coconut. So is that because, Linda, that you had some, when you say this was your own concoction your own recipe well i I did steal it from the interweb Ah, but then you know what i have this really bad habit of doing is going yeah but it would be better like this wouldn't it (laughs) (laughs) it usually leads to disaster i suppose the testing bit is would chris like it and he obviously did like it did he like that i think he quite likes these as well yeah i I did say this morning did you like the cakes and he went yep they were all right and i said (laughs) i said well, they weren't too sweet or anything. And he said, cakes are meant to be sweet, aren't they? <laughs> well, he's right. He's absolutely Overwhelmed right. Overwhelmed I was by his enthusiasm. <laughs> 
I think that's quite good, actually. So so Chris is the tester, and he's probably very happy to be the tester of your he cakes. He probably is. Yeah. He never sounds yeah. happy. You yeah, know. it's funny, isn't it? So I'm, I'm interested, Linda, do you what do you whisk it yourself in a bowl, or do you have mm-hmm. yourself a mixer that no. you use? No, it's all hand done. Oh, yeah. see. It's the way I was taught, you see. Mm. And it'd probably be easier to... Because the recipes all say, add it to your mixer. Yeah. <laughs> so I just so add it to my hand. bowl, get my wooden spoon out. <laughs> It's not one for technology. Well, I think that's great. <laughs> I have enough of that at work. <laughs> it's very funny because yesterday I was spo- speaking to spoiking. I was speaking to my daughter who's just really got into baking like you have. It must be something. Maybe it's because we're something coming in the into air. the autumn. Yeah. Yes, it's autumn. Yeah, it's autumn yeah. baking. Anyway, mm-hmm. she can't afford obviously one of these huge big mixes, but we found yeah, something online. That has been recommended and it only costs about, I mean, I say that's, it's still a lot of money, but it's 50 quid as opposed to 300 Well, a hand mixer is fine. Hand it's just that you need to hand over, yeah. hang it over the top. I've yeah. got a hand mixer, but I don't tend to use it very much. So you use your hand and a wooden spoon. Yes, it's easier to clean the spoon wow. in the bowl than it is to clean a mixer and all the bits, isn't it? Yeah, I, you know, some people would say that's the dark ages, Linda, going back to, mm, the, oh yeah, to the wooden yeah. spoon. But obviously but it I'm works. proud. Yes. I'm proud I'm of pr- my dark ages ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. It's a shame we're remotely talking here. Otherwise, I'd say, could I have a bit of your cake, please, that you've made? You've been welcome mm. to my coconut on coconut. Mm. <laughs> coconut mm. on coconut. <laughs> I think that's what I'm calling this one. <laughs> There's a lot of coconut in it. I nearly used up a little bag of desiccated coconut. <laughs> well, I just think that anything you've got in your cupboard, that's what you're going to use. I mean, and you've done yeah, that, exactly. Linda. I and have. Chris is still around and he's able to eat it and walk away and still feel okay. I think I encouraged him by saying, well, it's much more healthy than the stuff in the shops because there's no e-numbers involved. True. That's very true. true. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. They are, it is what it is. It, it, still not healthy, but, you know, the ingredients are what they are and they're all fresh. So, you know. <laughs> so on that note, Linda, you are determined to make your baking as good mm-hmm. as you possibly can. And Chris obviously yeah. is the... With, with no regard to how it looks, but yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. And in the same token, we've got two very interesting guests this week, haven't we, who are equally as determined as you. Indeed they are. Yes, we've got Steph Martinson-Barker. Now, she's the CEO of Cambridge Women's Resources Centre. And if you're wondering what that does, well, you're going to find out all about it. Very, very interesting place and a very interesting woman as mm. well. Yeah, very much so. And another determined lady, Sinead Sharkey Steenson, career elevator coach at Generation Women. Now, this is really interesting. She's helped over 10,000 women get the promotions and pay rises they deserve. And she's she's on a goal as well. So more will be revealed, we think, later on about that too. Excellent stuff. You're listening to Women Making Waves radio show and podcast, brought to you by Susie Thorpe and Linda Ness. This show is all about women doing extraordinary things. Sinead Sharkey Steenson is founder of Generation Women and your career and leadership coach. She helps women create careers that they love by helping them change how they communicate. It's fantastic, Sinead, to be able to talk to you today here on Women Making Waves. Hello. 
Hello. Thank you for having me. That's great. Welcome. You are the founder of, as I said, as Generation Women. Why is this so important to you, Generation Women? Oh, that's a good question. So having grown up in big corporates, working in businesses that were probably over 90% male, I didn't notice that was a problem at the time, but (laughs) in later years with the struggles of career and getting seen and being visible, it was actually when I had my two daughters and took some time out to think, what do I really want to do? What do I want to achieve? I started seeing the world differently because of them. And it was actually, I had a bit of a, a road to Damascus moment, <laughs> you might call it, even though I'm not very religious. I love sleep and I'll never forget, I was having a cheeky nap while I planted my child in front of the TV for the first time, I will add to just try and get some sleep and I remember I'd never seen the the channel Nickelodeon before and the advertising on that TV channel made me sit bolt upright and just oh hell no (laughs) was my reaction because they were brainwashing my little child that probably shouldn't have been in front of it with boys toys being all adventurous and exciting and growth and you know engineering and the girl stuff was all selfies and princesses and uh, you know all about appearance and i just thought no this is not what i want for my children and it made me think about i was reevaluating my career anyway uh, what did i really want and Uh, I decided to use all my powers and experiences from the corporate world to to try and help women progress so that we can change how girls see themselves and how boys see themselves and how we can move the needle on equality in the workplace. Wow, that's really interesting that something as off the wall is just happening to hear some, some kids' TV adverts had that massive impact on you and and your future, really, and made you think really, really differently. Had you been enjoying the job that you were in at the time? Yes. So it wasn't a total swerve, although stepping from corporate into starting my own business was absolutely terrifying, I will not lie. (laughs) I I have been loving it. So I worked in a big corporate. I worked in cultural transformation. I was coaching leaders. I was helping people connect with their purpose at work and, and to see things in a different way. And I just knew when I was off on maternity leave, actually with both of them, that I was looking for a different challenge and I really wanted to have a positive impact in the world. I just didn't know what that was until that moment. And it actually made me run off and start the Women's Equality Party in Northern Ireland. (laughs) So I brought that here. And that was my first avenue to explore. But 
I recognise quickly politics isn't my strong suit. I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> right. I wouldn't have won people over with shouting at them. So I decided to do something <laughs> more practical instead and use where I had real skills, which was coaching. You see, I discovered that brainwash moment, but my children were about 15. So you've discovered it a lot earlier. So, <laughs> so good for you when your daughters are able to sort of um, be motivated from your motivation as well. But it took me about 15 years to realise that we were being brainwashed when it came to all these archetypal moments for both genders. So on that note, when you decided that this isn't where you need to go, and very impressed that you started the Women's Equality Party in Northern Ireland, that is amazing. Mm. But to start this generation women, obviously you have the skills, you have an amazing amount of qualifications. What challenges came around when you wanted to get this going, Sinead? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Mainly challenges in my own head and self-belief, which is interesting given that I'm really helping women to believe in themselves and progress. But I had this story running in my head that I didn't know how to run a business and that that was really beyond me. I could see all the reasons why I shouldn't. But thankfully, I had this burning desire to make an impact and to have a difference and to really help others progress. So, yeah, there were practical things like I'm rubbish with money. I I never thought about the fact that I'd ever had to sell anything. So in my head, I thought I've never had to sell anything. But actually, we're all selling ideas every day and working in change management and that kind of thing as I had done. I was selling those things all the time and influencing people. So it was about taking a real shift in mindset about what potential I had and what I was capable of and really it was learning to get out of my own way and I think I'm still learning that every day but now I see it much quicker and uh, know how to take action on it. That's really interesting that you say that, actually. I think you're absolutely right. That's what we do. We just get in our own way by thinking we can't do it. When actually, if we think we can do it, we can. It was a big step. I mean, being a corporate person, having that security behind you, having that salary and all the rest of it, to step away from that must have been a big thought. It was huge. And to add complication to it, so I, I made this move or I was on the path to doing it after my second daughter and I had made my decision and I was going and my husband his role was made redundant um, when she was only a couple of weeks old and and so I had this real determination that I had to make this work this was something that I was definitely going to do I was not going to be put off by the fact that I was the only one bringing in any money at that stage and that just gave me a real fire in my belly to to go for it. Wow. And your husband was quite supportive of this. He wasn't kind of going, oh, Sinead, this isn't really the time, you know. He was supportive, was he? I think so. I'm not sure I would have listened. <laughs> <laughs> but he is generally very supportive. And I do feel uh, grateful that I have a supportive family. I have some friends that have businesses. I learned from them that actually... A lot of families are really unsupportive about you taking 
such a risky move and that can be one of the biggest challenges that women do face is you know what do you think you're doing you're leaving a safe job everything's good thankfully I didn't get that I got support and I think everybody just believed me that I was going to make it work even when I didn't believe it myself (laughs) okay so on that note Sinead it's we need to talk about how you got it started and who was your first client how did this all begin oh gosh I haven't thought about that in a while so I actually began with a business partner. She was like my security blanket and we were good friends and we decided we were going to do this business together. But it became quite quickly apparent that we both wanted different things out of it and it wasn't going to work. But thankfully we parted very amicably and I will always be grateful to Fiona because she gave me that extra confidence that I could do this so that was the first step first client oh this is really bad <laughs> I can't think of it I can tell you my very first group so I, I tend to run more group coaching programs I do do some one-to-one work but my first group were just absolutely phenomenal a group of women from all different areas in life and they were all looking for some help and support to progress in their careers and quite a few of them wanted to make a real career change and I do remember one woman stands out very clearly and I can't say her name because she talks about this openly so Jean came to me wanting to thought she wanted to get ahead in her job and she was working in a big retail organization and I worked with her and we made great strides and and she moved up but there was always this part of her that she just wasn't a hundred percent happy she felt I'm not in the right place and one of the things that I help women do is create vision boards which sound a bit woo (laughs) because I'm quite a practical person but they really work and she created this phenomenal vision board And on it, she had wanted to start a family, but she had this idea of starting her own styling business and becoming a humanist wedding celebrant. And I'm delighted to say that today, she is probably the most successful humanist wedding celebrant in Northern Ireland. Wow. wow. She phoned me one day to say, I've completed my entire vision board. I never thought this was possible. My life just feels like it's all fallen into place since we worked together. And I cannot thank you enough for the way things are. And that's what it's all about for me. Connecting with what you love, feeling valued at it and being well paid. I can imagine it must have been fantastic from your point of view to hear that as well and you talk about the vision board do you find that different tools work for different people do you have to sometimes move from one to the next because you're just kind of thinking yeah for this particular person this is just not working absolutely so I run a group program called the career elevator and so I pack it full of tools that you can use because we all learn in different ways we all connect with different things some of us are able to visualize in pictures some of us in words some of us in a more abstract thought and if you think across all learning you know there's lots of different styles and ways but I find 
there's nothing better than great questions to really get you thinking and to shift you into a different place and one of my favorite bits of feedback was that my questions are like an iron fist in a velvet glove <laughs> so they pack a hard punch but they come packaged softly and lovely <laughs> one of my current clients keeps saying what is this voodoo how do you shift my thinking so quickly <laughs> That's you definitely have an amazing way with words and visualization. That's what comes out of this for me is how you're getting women to visualize their future. It's something that that we think we're taught about at school and then sometimes it dips, doesn't it? It just drops and, and we forget it. If we go on to gender equality here, because this is something that you feel very, very strongly about, I assume. And I think you do because of what you've been saying. What's been the most interesting case study where you thought, well, actually, I have made a difference there. I've given the UK a 50-50 platform when it comes to women versus men. There's a few things that come to mind. One is I work with some very senior women and I love getting women into very senior leadership positions. So helping them to build the strategy, the confidence and the focus to do it, but to recognise you don't need to give up all of life to achieve it. And what I love about that is that they're going on then to make a difference where they're at. So they're moving into positions where they can change the structures around them to better support women and other minorities. And I think that's the big thing for me, that I purposely use the career elevator as the term for my programme because it's not a ladder, it's not a one-person thing. I want you to pack the elevator with as many people <laughs> as possible when you're going up or at the very least send it back down and, and make sure you're, you're making it easier for others to follow in your path. So that would be one of the key things for me is working with women at that level where they can go and have so much more impact. And I'm, I'm grateful that I've been able to help lots of women step up to the C-suite and have that impact. And do you find that women are enthusiastic about helping other women up that elevator? Or do you often find women who are a little bit reticent because they just don't want to help other people? Well, I think I attract people that do want to help others. So you're probably in the wrong place if you're just out for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I'd, I'd probably refer you on to somebody else. But no, I, <laughs> I actually find that that is the way. So something I do as part of my coaching and as part of the programmes is I help educate women on bias, on the challenges that they're not even seeing that they're facing and how that's impacting the workplace around them and society around them. And so I have a really strong belief that we all have a responsibility to do our bit to improve things. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's a message that I must be putting out pretty strongly because that's the, the kind of woman that I attract. But I do think on the whole, like I, I work in big corporates as well, supporting them with the gender diversity programmes. And there is a real appetite of 
support and I think that view of women not helping each other has come from there being so few roles at the top and you're not competing with your peers you're pitted against other women because it's like they can't see that you're a person you are a woman doing this role and of course you're going to be competing against each other and we have been put in that situation for a long time but thankfully I think things are starting to change. Mm. When you say educate women to educate other women and or and also support other women is there a way of actually getting women that once we are educated on pushing ourselves that we also educate the men to help us as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's massively important. And it comes back to what I was saying about the children piece as well. We have to help everybody shift their perspective or else nothing will actually change. And so actively seeking out allies, actively challenging poor behaviour. And we have to remember misogyny and sexism and these things can come just as easily from women as from men because we've all grown up in this way and haven't been taught in that way. It is about challenging it, recognising the support you get, asking for the support and asking for allies. It sounds to me like you'd make a fantastic mentor are you mentored yourself by someone oh yes so I have a bit of an interest in philosophy on mentoring (laughs) so I think of it a bit like dating a marriage so I I think people often go for the marriage type of mentoring so it's all about having one person that you really look up to and you build this great relationship with but I actually think we can do it a bit more <laughs> a bit more freely and indeed many people because I think there's so many people have so much to give and share and knowledge to impart and we can learn from lots of different sources. So I've always had people that I've reached out to, got support from and that's the way I think I will always do it is have a team of people that I call upon and get advice from and that help me in different ways just as I try and help as many people as I can. I'd like to know, I often ask this question and I hope this is okay to ask you this, but Mm. when it comes to quotas, do you think it's important or do you think we're past quotas now or we shouldn't name it as quotas? Because every time I talk about quotas with with lots of people, mainly men actually, they don't don't like quotas. They think we should be picking the best from whoever comes up. I would say you had a better perception of this. Quotas cause real division, which is part of the problem. But actually, I do believe they're very important. I mean, what gets measured gets done. Uh, How will we know there's change without having that measure, without pushing for it, without making things happen in that way? In an ideal world, we would love to let things happen more organically. But I think we have to look at... Just because there's a quota doesn't mean to say you're reducing quality or you're you're making exceptions for the wrong reasons. It's about challenging to support more women to come up to that level. So what are you doing to enable that? 
and one of the big problems is that it's slightly more women than men come out of university and go into graduate roles but it's at that first couple of levels where women fall behind so um, I think Lean In and McKinsey have termed it the broken rung so if you're not getting as many women up to those first levels of management then it thins and thins and thins as you go up so I think quotas works at one end and you have to work on uh, increasing the pipeline to facilitate that. Mm. So the reality is quotas work and uh, they do drive change. And if we have them for long enough that we get to that point that things are equal, then we won't need them anymore. It's not a dip in quality. It's about opening up the pipelines to let more women through. I've got to ask you, Sinead, about your accent. Where are you from originally? <laughs> My Heinz 57 varieties. <laughs> um, I've since Googled how many varieties are. <laughs> um, so I like to think of my accent as one of my unique selling points. So I grew up originally in Lancashire in a place called the Rosendale Valley. I moved to Belfast, Northern Ireland to study at Queen's University so it definitely got a bit mixed up there and I found I had to repeat myself all the time so I think I slowed down how I speak and then Belfast is full of colloquialisms so you kind of pick up the accent when you you use the words that they use uh, and then with my mum being from Donegal and my dad uh, being from Glasgow, you've got a real mix in there. <laughs> you've got the best of all worlds, you I would have, say, actually. actually. You have, I yes. could play for all the football teams. <laughs> you <laughs> That's true. What What's the future for you then, Sinead? What, what else are you going to be doing? My mind always goes immediately to world domination. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> What's the future for me? I have a goal of working with at least a million women to help them elevate their careers. I just want to see things shift and change and for women to be able to lean into their strengths and have the impact. And goodness me, if we haven't seen in the last couple of years what a difference it makes having women in leadership that can change things for the better. That's what it, it's all about for me. So I just want to work with as many women as possible that want that push, that challenge and uh, to level up. Well, it's excellent. It is. What, what an amazing goal to do that. I think that's something I don't think we've ever heard of on Women Making Ways. And that's the first. And I wish you all the very best with that. And I think you're going to do really well. And we're going to keep a real eye on you and see how you're getting on, Sinead. Thank yeah. you. It has been an absolute joy. And I, I feel I'm very proud to, to feel that I'm a woman making waves along with all the other fantastic women that you've been speaking to. Oh, Sinead from Linda and I, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, really today. refreshing, lovely. That's all we've time for today on Women Making Waves. 
Our thanks go to our guests, Steph Martinson-Barker and Sinead Sharkey-Steenson. We are always on the lookout to feature women living extraordinary lives, so please do contact us if you know of someone we should be talking to. Now you can contact us via social media on Twitter and Facebook at WomenMW or on Instagram at Women Making Waves. You can also find us on cambridge105.co.uk or visit our website, womenmakingwaves.co.uk where you can hear all of our interviews. Bye for now. Bye-bye.